Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, Steve, I'm still here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium where the Bucks beat the Falcons 35-22 to uh, snap their losing streak. Uh, this was a weird game. You know, it, it, it started sort of the way a lot of the Bucks games do with some early turnovers by Jameis Winston, uh, one on his second throw to Mike Evans. Desmond Trufant intercepts it. Looks like Evans doesn't run a very good route, and Trufant jumps it. Has another interception uh, early in the game on a jump pass to Darwe Agudmuwale, and all of a sudden um, you're thinking, here we go again, right? Jameis Winston now with 20 interceptions on the year. I think the first guy to do that since Jay Cutler in 2009 in his uh, in, in his first 11 games of a season. So, uh, But then all of a sudden it turned. And, and, and to be honest with you, it started with a big play by Chris Godwin on a 71-yard touchdown strike. And Chris Godwin was really the story of this game. Oh, Chris Godwin was tremendous today. And, and it did turn – in that, and Jameis had a rough start, but I think it started even before Jameis took the field on the defense. And Atlanta gets the snap or gets the the wins the coin toss. They take the ball, sure. and they have two big plays to start off. And all of a sudden, they're mm-hmm. down in the red zone, and the defense holds them to a field goal. Right after giving up two big plays, and and the defense held. And then after the Jameis turnovers, they held again. That's right. And, and as much as, you know, we've talked about, you know, Jameis gets the stats, but he has way too many turnovers, and we know that. Yeah. But the defense has been less than stellar all year, and that's probably being kind. You know, we thought it was bad with Mike Smith last year. Statistically, it's no better this year. But the defense, as much as Jameis and Chris Godwin played very well today, particularly Godwin and Jameis after the rough start, I thought the defense is what really kept them in this game and, and allow Jameis to overcome those two picks to then play much better and have Chris Godwin have a big day, et cetera, et cetera. No, you're exactly right because we, we've been harping on the defense and, of course, them you know giving up 31.3 points per game. Um, they've been put in bad positions before, but uh, you know to, to, it's really a momentum killer um, you know, when, when you're on offense and, and you have those opportunities and after the one interception, they don't score at all. Um, mm-hmm. and so that really got them. And you saw, you saw the young guys kind of come out tonight uh, uh, on Sunday. I think that, you know, Carlton Davis played his best game ever, right? Had his first interception. Had his first one that counted, right? He had two taken away from him in Seattle, but he gets his first interception of his career after 20 games uh, starting at corner and uh, did a nice job on Julio Jones for the most part, and Julio had had to leave the game finally with an injury. Um, But he also had like five or six passes defense. The Bucs had 16 passes defense, which is uh, an awful lot of of, of, you know, hands uh, knocking knocking the football away. And they really, uh, as Bruce Arians said after the game, they probably should have had about five or six interceptions. Levante David dropped one that could have been a pick six and, um, you know, certainly some others like uh, Mike Edwards. But uh, for the most part, uh, the, the, it was a combination of rush and, and coverage that really got Matt Ryan, who was sacked six times 
on Sunday night. And that's an awful lot. You know, Matt, you know where he's going to be. He's always going to be in the pocket. Um, but you saw them get after him, you know, and it was really guys taking turns, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, we talked about Devin White, and he'd had a half sack this year, but he had two uh, blitzing straight up the middle, put them on the ground. And then you also had, um, you know, sacks by Vita Vea. And, uh, you know, of course, Shaq Barrett got his. And so it was really kind of a frenzy back there uh, that helped keep – Atlanta from really sustaining anything uh, and then on the other end despite bad you know bad field position um, the Bucks had some long drives they were able to sustain 97 yard drive for a touchdown a 95 yard drive for a touchdown when you hold the ball for that many plays it's difficult but I'm with you I think I think this was their best defensive effort uh, and and you can kind of slowly see the younger guys you know starting to really grow up yeah, I mean, I thought Jamel Dean played well today. I, you know, Carlton Davis, of course. And and look, we we know the defense, the back end, of the defense, their best friend is a pass rush. And the Bucks today had a pass. I mean, Sha- Shaquille Barrett was in the backfield nonstop. Uh, and Dominican Sue was pushing the pocket. Uh, you know, the the defense finally. It, it, to me, this felt like the most complete game that maybe the defense has played this season. In that they kind of had all facets going. Uh, De- uh, Devin White was making splash plays. Um, he was in the backfield a lot, blowing up plays too. Uh, Levante David, of course, has played well all year, but it kind of felt like the, the most complete game they've played this season. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And you couldn't have asked for a better time for that as you're playing the Falcons and the losers in the basement of the NFC South. Yeah, and this is the thing. Like Atlanta had had two remarkable games against the Saints and, and the Panthers since they moved Raheem Morris to the defensive side of the ball. They did not allow a touchdown against the Saints or Carolina. Mm-hmm. And and so that's how well they were playing. And this is a home game. You're competing with crowd noise. You have a couple of early turnovers for the defense to sort of bail out this team and allow Jameis Winston to, you know, to keep working. And, you know, this is the thing about Winston. I mean, you get these games um, where he's capable of, of, of the turnovers that we know about. Uh, but then he, he also goes out there and hits 18 to 28, but for 313 yards, mm-hmm. um, this is his sixth straight 300-yard passing day, which is, um, you know, he extends his team record. So a lot of good things kind of mixed in with a few bad things. Uh, And the other thing they did, Steve, was they were able to maintain the running game. You know, those stops allowed Tampa Bay to continue to try to be balanced and run the football. And Jameis Winston, as a result, was not sacked for it. They ran it 34 times for 133 yards, and that's a lot of rushing attempts. Uh, but it's also a good number of yards. And I thought Ronald Jones really, really ran the ball hard. Um, you know, he had a touchdown, uh, had a 25-yard run, finished with 12 carries for 51 yards. I thought he really showed some flashes on uh, Sunday night. Well, and look, it was it was obvious they made a concerted effort to run the ball more than they did last week. I mean, last week they had six rushes. What, two of those were quarterback scrambles. Um, the play calling last week was pass, 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 pass. The first nine mm-hmm. plays in today's game, they had five rushes and four passes. I mean, it right. was obvious they were making a more concerted effort to run the ball. But it also shows you, and football is, is such a situational game, it's a lot easier to keep that balance when you have the lead. It's a lot easier to keep calling those running plays and to keep working, even if it's not as successful and you're not getting as many yards, when you have a lead. Uh, you know, playing with the lead is so important, and it's something the Bucks don't often do. And and so, you know, today they they got the lead. You know, they gave up the field goal early, but then once they got the lead, they were able to just keep 
keep doing what they wanted to do and keep sticking to their game plan because they weren't chasing points. They weren't scrambling trying to, how do I catch back up to this team? Or how, do, how am I going to catch Drew Brees last week? Or whatever, name the team that they're chasing from behind, which is what they mm-hmm. consistently have done. When you have that lead, it's so much easier to stick to the, 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 the game plan you came to the game with. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we've talked a lot uh, this season about those two receivers, Mike Evans, of course, cool. and Chris Godwin. Um, interesting how the two of them were both able to go over a thousand yards for the season in the same game. Of course, for Evans, that was historic, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's the first guy, just him and Al and Randy Moss, um, who was his favorite company. receiver. Oh, I mean, it's a gold jacket guy, right? Oh. So six straight years to start a career, all with 1,000-yard seasons. A remarkable uh, record for consistency, and we still, of course, have five games left, so he's going to have a big year statistically. Um, and, and even though he didn't have his best game, and that's that, that's by far. I mean, he, he finished overall with eight targets, but just four catches for 50 yards, and, and he you know got the record on a 17-yard catch, which was his longest of the day in the second quarter. Um, but, but, you know, the, the attention that, you know, that Mike Evans gets with Chris Evans in the, or I'm sorry, with uh, Chris Godwin in the slot has really enabled Godwin to, to take it to another level. I mean, this guy does it in the running game. He's able to block down on linebackers. He does a nice job there, um, but makes those really tough combat type catches. I mean, you saw what I thought was the best throw Jameis made today, that throw down the seam that, that gets over the linebacker, Deion Jones, and right in front of the safety. Um, and, and it is just it is a dime, and, and Godwin is able to see it first and foremost because it's, he's blocked out by the linebacker, but he makes the catch. He knows he's going to take a hit, and he bounces off those two guys and has the speed, of course, um, you know, to beat the other safety to the end zone. So, you know, th- those plays. And then how about the touchdown play um, that he had on the goal line on third and goal um, where, you know, Jameis flips out there almost blindly, uh, and Godwin has to spin around and makes a one-handed catch and takes a takes a ball up from the from the cornerback, but still manages to hang on. Those are two highlight plays for a season, and Godwin seems to do this almost every game. Well, and, and as you mentioned, he's benefiting from Mike Evans, but Mike Evans will benefit from Chris Godwin too. And, and sure, now sure. it's it's getting to the point where this defense and and you know Fox kept teasing ahead to Jameis Winston and his weapons. And he's got mm-hmm. weapons on offense. And, and now when you've mm-hmm. got two of those receivers, the defense has to pick their poison. Do you want to double Mike Evans? Do you want to double Chris Godwin? Because if you're going to double mm-hmm. both of them, now you've opened up the run game. Right. You know, you can't double both very consistently. or Otherwise, the Bucks now can run it down your throat. You're going to have to take right. one out of the box to do that. So, you know, Godwin benefits from Mike Evans, and ultimately it's going to benefit Mike Evans too and Jameis in the whole offense. Because who do you pick to stop? I mean, you've got two. You've got two top-notch receivers now on this team. He managed to spread the ball around. He, you know, he had uh, just the 18 completions, um, but there were seven or eight guys that caught passes, mm-hmm. um, including how about Vita Vea? <laughs> how, about, how about this guy who, you know, a couple weeks ago against the Cardinals, he comes in at tight end, and everybody's saying, well, you should give him the ball, you know, in the running back uh, position. He comes in at tight end, and he takes out about three guys on on what you know proved to be the, the big touchdown by. Peyton Barber, and then on Sunday he lines up as a fullback, and I tell you what, man, that was spider two wide banana. That's what that play was, to be honest with you. And and so they they have him at fullback, and he just runs straight into the flat. Perfect throw by Jameis Winston, and and uh, we're looking this up, but apparently Pro Football Reference or one of those 
suggest at least that at 347 pounds, he might be the largest or one of the largest men to catch a, a touchdown pass in the National Football League. I was going to say, did Refrigerator Perry ever catch one? I know he ran I don't, some. I know he ran it. I, I know Perry's one of the larger guys to actually score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and so that, that – but, but, I mean, still – for for this dude, I mean, you talk about athletic now. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy thing to do for a three hundred and let's say forty something pound man um, to run out there. And uh, and you know he showed great hands. He was ecstatic after the game. He walked around in the locker room talking about how you know he felt like this was all a dream. And 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 you could see you know it, it was a of course it was a big touchdown to get some separation from the Falcons. But you could also see just sort of emotionally what a lift it gave to the team. Um, and and then he also added a on defense so not many guys I would think probably in NFL history have both a sack and a touchdown reception in the same game I think I saw the last person to do it was J.J. Watt it was four or five it was five or six years ago and he did it twice in the same season I think yeah Um, yeah but was it just me or did everyone else wish John Madden was on the call in this game <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I just wanted to hear John Madden talk about a fat guy scoring a touchdown and you know and diagramming it and put it on the you know the telestrator. That's, that's all I wanted to do after he scored it. I'm just like, I wish John Madden was calling this game. That's right. That's right. You see the big guy and he runs out there and you know then he comes back and sacks the quarterback. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was uh, it was a terrific play. Uh, and they worked on it, I guess, during during the during the week, of course. And and they said he caught the ball fine. He he was running back in high school, but he never was thrown the football. They didn't throw it to him, so <laughs> so nobody really knew, you know, if he could catch. But it turns out they worked on it in practice, uh, and he can. Um, you know, getting back getting back just real quickly to to, uh, to the receivers. You know, I mentioned uh, they had some big plays in this game. I mean, Broussard Perriman had just one catch, but it was for 44 yards. That was a big shot play. Scotty Miller took one down to the one-yard mm-hmm. line. Uh, he had a reception. We saw O.J. Howard had a catch, and they ran a screen to him. So able to spread the ball around. Um, but the thing, the thing that, I, that, that Godwin brings you um, is, is rare in this league. I mean, first of all, they've only had uh, two 1,000-yard receivers in the same season one other time in franchise history, and that was Mike Evans again, only with Vincent Jackson, mm-hmm. if you can remember, in 2014. Um, they both did that. And then, um, you, you know, with Godwin, I mean, he's going to be a free agent after next season. I mean, he was not drafted in the first round. It's amazing to look back and say, how did this guy who had tremendous bowl games at Penn State and was a really good player there uh, for the Nittany Lions manage to slip to the second round um, with just unbelievable you know, talent and toughness. Um, and he's going to be a free agent after next year. And I mean, you know, Mike Evans has like, I don't know, four or five years left of his contract. He's one of the highest paid receivers in football. He averages around $16 million a year. So when you look at this football team and you think of all the needs they have on defense, the fact that mm-hmm. most of their defensive linemen are free agents, how are you going to manage to pay both these wide receivers? Um, and then you're still unsettled with the quarterback position. You may have to franchise Jameis Winston. Yeah, it will be interesting how they do that. Now, Mike's contract is not guaranteed, I believe, after this season. Right, so, that's so, correct. I mean, they do have some flexibility if they wanted to either move him potentially and keep Godwin as he's younger in this. I mean, it will be interesting how they how they deal with this. Plus, you know, at the same time, you've got Cameron Brait locked up at the tight end position. And OJ Howard's going to become a free agent coming up here. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, he's got what two more years? You I got think. a um, you got a fifth year option on him as well but, if you wanted to pick it up. But yeah, but I mean, you know, you there's, start there's, looking at uh, you know when he's talking about Jameson, Jameson and his weapons. Yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, you start going, okay, we can't pay everybody at some point, but that's right. But with Godwin and Evans, that's a good problem to have. I mean, well, you know, it is, it is, but but it, but it also is kind of alarming too, right? Because what mm-hmm. Mike Evans has accomplished, I mean, he is, you know, to to be in a company of Randy Moss. If he does this next year, if he gets a thousand yards receiving, he'll be the only player in NFL history to do it. The first seven years of his career, you're talking about, you know, uh, when you when you write pieces of history in this game that's mm-hmm. been played for a hundred years, that's really saying something. So how do you let a player like that go? But by the same token, how do you pay thirty two million dollars for two receivers, another twenty seven million dollars for a quarterback, and you're eating up that much salary cap at three positions I just don't think it's possible and 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 like you said it's a good problem to have but most likely one of those guys is going to have to move on because um you you know and 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 to be honest with you I mean Godwin I think on many teams in the league not all of them but many teams in the league would be a number one receiver Mm -hmm. oh he absolutely would be um you know yeah not every team and 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 whether he's ready to be that number one yet you know he may not be quite ready yet although I mean I think he will be and mm-hmm. by the time his contract comes up, he should, you know, could be a number one at that point. Um, sure. But, you know, like I said, but part, it's different. Part, part right. of his growth is he's benefiting from Mike Evans on the other end. And, and it's not a knock on Chris Godwin at all. I mean, no. you know, look, we've often talked about with quarterbacks, you know, the success mm-hmm. of a quarterback often is, is based on the coaching and the team he goes to. And, That's right. You know, and, and the same is set for everybody else on the team, whether it's running back receivers. I mean, you're, you're a good receiver who went in the second round. Uh, but you happen to have Mike Evans opposite you, that just makes your job a lot easier and your, your ability to grow into that. Now, you have to have the talent. You have to have the skill and, and, and all that, but it definitely makes that, that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Progression easier for you because you're not thrown into being that number one right away, let's say, or... You know, Absolutely. the quarterback doesn't have any weapons. And so you get more either double coverage or they're rolling to your side or whatever. So, I mean, he's benefiting from that. But in, in, in we said he's going to make Mike Evans much better even yet because now they've got to start double teaming him too. Yeah, and in this offense, he's he's in a great position to catch a lot of balls, as Larry Fitzgerald did when he mm-hmm. moved to the slot, because you're never coming off the field. They have him in there on first down, second down, third down, um, which takes a lot of endurance, obviously, but um, but you're able to stay on and you get the two-way go. You're not trapped by the sideline, and um, you know they, they, it's a little harder to keep cloud coverage or a safety over top of a guy in a slot. So that's certainly um, certainly to his advantage, too. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I have a mea culpa, uh, and, and I got called out for it by Bruce Arians. Maybe we can play that later. But um, basically, like last Friday, you know, on Fridays – Friday's practices are very short, and so therefore so is the press conference, right? We, we pretty much all the haze in the barn, so to speak. All our stories are pretty much written for the weekend, and we're just checking on injuries, and there wasn't anybody that was surprising. I mean, both MJ Stewart was out, Anthony Nelson, we knew that. So there wasn't a whole lot of news. Um, so you kind of, like, think of things to ask 
Bruce Arians, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll ask him about the kicker. Matt Gay, you know he's going pretty well um, since that, that ill-fated kick against the Giants that he missed from 34 yards when Bruce said, hey, move him back because it would make for an easier kick, and we all looked at him like he was crazy, and he missed it um, just by, you know, the hair of the ball. And, um, you know, but since that time, uh, you know, he's only missed two – he had only missed like two field goals the whole – or four field goals the whole year, um, and he had only missed two extra points, and he was on a roll, and everything looked good. Uh, and uh, then he comes out on Sunday, and he uh, pushes two extra points wide left and has a third extra point blocked. And all of a sudden, uh, Matt Gay looks like a very pedestrian kicker. Um, he did manage to come back and, and hit one from uh, from roughly that distance of 32 yards. So his last kick was good. Um, but after the game, Arians called me out. He looked right at me. Rick, you jinxed the kicker, excuse me. But he came back and hit a pretty good field goal, so uh, that was big for him. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, I had nothing to do with it. I mean, you didn't have to go tell Matt Gay I wrote a note. Um, but, uh, but yeah. yeah you said, was, you said he might be in the Pro Bowl this year. Well, he, I, he, was, uh, he was headed that way. He certainly was headed that way. He may still be. He has the most 50-yard-plus kicks. It turns out, and John Romano wrote this, it turns out that, that Arians was right. He was making it easier for Matt Kay, or at least trying to, because he's better from 50 than he is from 32 or 33 yards. He just he hasn't missed one, I don't think, from 50-plus. Maybe one field goal he's missed from there. So I think from that standpoint, he's done very, very, uh, very, very well. But it was interesting that that's how it came down today. Uh, and I got called out for it, which I probably probably should have. Um, this was a huge win for the Bucks. They're all big now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this season's not going any place. I mean, they they were sitting here, you know, at uh, at at what? Uh, what was the record? Three and three, seven. Three and seven. Yeah, now they're four and seven. And 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 Atlanta was three and seven, and actually was ahead of them in the division. Now Atlanta's back in the cellar, so they're four and seven. Um, but you know. People will argue, well, this hurts their draft status. No, I, I get all that, but you're not going to convince but players and coaches players don't. And, and coaches, player, yeah, they don't play for draft they live, status. No, they live for the day. I mean, these guys are getting paid to win. They're not getting paid just to show up and lose and and help help 2020. So it's important for them. And and, and I I can only I had written a story about you know Bruce Arians and are you better off this season than you were last year, um, or the or any other year. And 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 it's difficult to find a lot of improvements. Um, you know, there are some statistically, but they're very similar on offense, um, the same or worse on defense. And at the end of the day, um, you know, it was, uh, uh, it was important for them to win because there's a chance now, and this is what happens in the NFL when you win. Now you look at the Jacksonville game and you say, you know what, they could win that one. And then you, you see opponents like Detroit on the schedule. You see Atlanta again at home. Um, yeah, they got to play the Texans and they got to play the Colts, but both those games are at Raymond James. So suddenly you think, well, maybe they can get on a Tony Dungy-like run back in 96 where they win five of their last eight games or something like that. And, and that's what it's going to take to sort of build some belief and some momentum, um, both in Arians and his staff, but also maybe even in the quarterback. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I, I vacillate from, from week to week with this stuff. Well, and, and, and I, you know, I texted you that Jimmy Johnson on the pregame show of Fox um, said it's time for the Bucks to move on from Jameis Winston. And he cited the 98 turnovers in 66 games. Uh, which is which now 100. I, yeah, now he's at 100 <laughs> in 67 yeah. games. Uh, at halftime, Tony Gonzalez uh, on the uh, halftime show called Jameis Winston the microwave. He said he can yeah. get really hot, but it doesn't last very long. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, that's kind of the national narrative on Jameis Winston. And, you know, locally. It's not much different here. <laughs> well, but he, he, shows so, he shows so many flashes of brilliance at times throughout a season. Yeah. 
and, yeah. and and he he rolls up great stats, and you know, and some of that's kudos to to Mike Evans and Cameron Brait and, and Chris Godwin and all that too. I mean, he's got weapons around him, and they help him. And he shows you at time, you know, that throw to Chris Godwin, the seventy-one yard touchdown. Oh, that's, that's one of the beautiful. best throws he's had in a long time. That was a yeah, beautiful was. throw. He threw him yeah, open. It was great, tremendous. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and, and when he shows you that, you're like, that's the quarterback we need. And then you get the jump pass that he throws way behind Daria Gumbawala. Yeah, and you're going, what are, you know, what are you doing there? You know, yeah, yeah. You just you, you sit there and you scratch your head at times, thinking, you know, what are you trying to do with the jump pass in that situation early in the game? Like, I mean, you know, it wasn't that important that's of a the throw key. there. You know, that's the key. You know, if it's the fourth quarter and you're down two scores and you're trying to make something happen, okay. Mm-hmm. This was, you know, first quarter and you're you're making a jump pass way behind your receiver and, and you scratch your head going. But then he makes the throw to Godwin. You're like, wow. Or, you know, he, he threw the ball to Perriman. That wasn't a great throw, but it, it, it was enough where he was able to get in, in bounds after, the, you know, they even challenged it. But he shows you so, – he's got the skills. He just – he mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be able to put it together consistently enough throughout a game right and you just scratch your head at times and it, it's which it, it, the thing is is who else you're going to get i mean that's all that's always the thing that all these teams that, that have these quarterbacks that have skills and show flashes and, and can win some games and do this it's what's the alternative i mean yeah. you, you know you don't have tom brady sitting there as a free agent that's ready to sign somewhere I mean, those you know those those type quarterbacks or aaron Rodgers or you know drew Brees, they don't become free agents so you know What's your other option? That's what teams always have to weigh is, you know, if you're going to move on, what's your choice be? But the quarterback is so important, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's everything in this game. And they, they don't grow on trees, and you do have to draft them typically, usually early in, 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 mm-hmm. in, the, you know, in the process. There are the occasional Russell Wilsons, and, you know, of course the big outlier is, is Tom Brady, but those, those rarely show up. And so, you know, then you're looking at free agents, and there are teams that can get it done with free agents. There'll be a lot of free agents next year. Um, you know, the problem is when you hire a, a Bruce Arians, right, at 67 and he's the quarterback whisperer, and you hire him to coach one player, right? I mean, it's kind of like he's here. Hey, you're here to save Jameis Winston. And, and if just Jameis Winston can be saved, if just Jameis Winston can reach his full potential and not turn the ball over and, and, and do all those good things and eliminate some of the bad things, then this team will take off. The problem is what about the rest of the team? The rest of the team isn't good enough. Right, the defense was not good enough for most of this year and hasn't been good enough. The running game has been spotty at times. Um, yeah, he turns it over, but his defense typically, many times, has not been good enough to to get their own turnovers. You know, today um, they were managed to to even score on defense, which hasn't happened in a while. Damakon Sue scoops up a a fumble late in the game and scores a touchdown. They were able to create some turnovers. They had an interception. So, I mean, you know that we, you see this in every game with other teams. They they intercept the ball. They overcome turnovers by getting their own turnovers the Bucks haven't been doing that now maybe they'll come in bunches as these young guys grow up I like what I see from Devin White and Carlton Davis I like what I see from uh, Sean Murphy bunting and um, you know I thought Jamel Dean played really well when he had a chance to be in there I mean 16 passes defense I don't can't remember the last time that has happened but on a team when they play together as a team all of a sudden Jameis Winston looks like a good quarterback because it's not all on his shoulders they're able to be balanced they're able to get in a the rhythm they're able to run the football and they're very dangerous with those outside Side weapon. So, you know, I think I think the, the fallacy with this organization is they've had so much focus on one player and they built around this one guy that it's it's just not built the right way. It's not a solid football team. You have to build from the inside out. You have to build your offensive and defensive lines. You have to support, you know, the, the basic uh, 
uh, foundation of the team, uh, and then and then you can you can kind of worry about the others. But they've kind of done this backwards, uh, and I think it's put an awful lot of pressure on Winston, both with that and the coaching changes. Um, but you're right; you see the talent. And I was talking to Rich McKay before the game, um, you know, the former Bucks GM and the the COO and president of the Atlanta Falcons, and he said, you know, the thing about Winston, he's killed these guys up here. He says, you know, what you do is you fear him because, yeah, he'll make these crazy, ridiculous, horrible decisions and turnovers, he goes, but he's just as capable of doing something just that you can't defend, you know, like extending plays and making these crazy throws, and they hit him, and if they hit him on you, you're going to lose. Well, guess what? They, they hit some big plays today. You know, so teams both kind of look forward to getting the turnovers and think they can get in his head and think they can get the, you know, the turnovers to win the games. But they also recognize that he can kill them uh, with the same same talent and the same willingness to go for big plays. Uh, and today he made enough big plays, you know, in this game um, for the Bucks to win. And he had guys around him make plays. And that's really all a quarterback can do is, is give guys a chance to, to get the football and, 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 and make plays for him. So it's a double-edged sword with Jameis. You know, we can go back to the Seattle game where he was brilliant, the Rams game where he was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Then there's the Carolina game in London. Then there's the Saints game at Raymond James. And there's the Giants game. And there's so many, you know, so many games. Um, actually, he's pretty good against the Giants. San Francisco, he threw two interceptions uh, late in the game. So there's so many games, you know, that are negative. And, and I think just the, the narrative has, has constantly been about this one player. And, and I'm telling you, the, the, you know, Matt Ryan is a Hall of Fame player, right? He, he, he's, got, he's on – look at his record. Look at, look at his, um, his, his numbers uh, against other Hall of Fame players. Like, he's ascending to that level, right? Was an MVP of the National Football League. Took his team to a Super Bowl. Probably should have won against the Patriots. Um, all those things. And yet Matt Ryan had a horrible day. You know, Matt Ryan was sacked six times. Matt Ryan threw an interception. He did not finish the game um, because it was out of hand. Um, so even the best quarterbacks have those days – when their other, when the rest of their team isn't able to play well, yeah, and that, like I said, that's that's always going to be the the knock on Jameis, and and the pressure gets added because he's the number one overall pick, and and so mm-hmm. the expectations coming in were so high for him, and, right? And you know where he ranks in quarterbacks is he a top ten quarterback in the league? No, is he in the next ten? I believe so, and so that's always the the hard part of. You know, how you're going to evaluate him going forward in next year and the year after. And, you know, does he get a big deal or are you just going to franchise him next year if you keep him? Uh, or do you mm-hmm. decide to go the other direction with him? Is that well, there's always going to be that because he's got that he's got that talent and skill. If he could just mm-hmm. put it together. And that's what you hoped Bruce Arians would help him with. And there's right. been games he's he's done that this year. And then there's been games like the the, the London game where. You started going. Is anyone coaching him? I mean, you know, and that's that's not true, but that's what you're kind of thinking. Going, how is this happening? Right, and and there's fumbles and things, but still, again, it's like the focus is on one player. It should be on 53 mm-hmm. players, 52 other players, and that's where the franchise hiring a coach just to coach one guy. You're the head coach. You're not just the quarterback's coach, right? You're not you're not just here to coach one guy, and yet it's how that one guy plays that they're going to decide whether this is a successful season or not. And, of course, so far from a winning standpoint, it hasn't been. They still only have four wins and, and, and have five games to play. So, I mean, all of that uh, remains to be seen. But now suddenly, you know, the sun will be shining a little brighter tomorrow in Tampa, and, uh, and, and they have a chance now to try to, to try to do something they haven't done this season, which is stack a few wins together um, and, and see if they can get on a roll uh, in this second half. So um, it was an interesting game. 
from Atlanta. Hey, one uh, quick note. At, uh, one quick note yep. the NFL just put out. Vita Vea is the heaviest player to score a receiving touchdown since 1950. Ah, okay. I there don't know go. who they did got it in 50, but it's been what, now, technically, years? They have him listed at 347, but technically he says he's lighter than that. But we won't tell anybody. We'll, we'll give that to Vita, and uh, you may see him in the end zone again. So that was exciting. I know we got lots to talk about this week with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, let's, there's, there's, you know. A couple there, quick notes more. on the weekend. Uh, Rays lose one of their free agents. Travis Darno signs with the Atlanta Braves. Two-year, $16 million deal. So mm-hmm. Little D will not be back with the Rays this year. I know they had been in talks with him, as Mark Topkin's been reporting. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, apparently $16 million over two years, probably a little rich for their blood. Um, Darno does have a, some injury history. Maybe they were concerned about that. But So he'll be going to the Atlanta Braves. USF will not be going bowling after they get beat by Memphis on uh, Saturday at Raymond James Stadium. So it's the first time, I think, since Taggart's second year. Yeah, um, fourteen that they're not going bowling. So we'll well, Charlie talk. Strong watches on. It, it is, and we'll talk obviously more with Matt Baker this week about that as well. Um, and it'll be a big weekend of college football this coming weekend as you've got all the big rivalry games: Alabama, Auburn, uh, the best. Yeah, Florida, Florida State. You've got Michigan, Ohio State, um, Minnesota, Wisconsin is going to be a huge game. Um, yeah, you've got all kinds the, of games all over the country. So um, Big Ten West with Wisconsin and Minnesota, and then of course yeah, game, day game day is going to be Minnesota. Game day is going to be in Minnesota for that game. So yeah, we'll we'll uh, really get into the rivalries this week uh, with Matt Baker, and uh, maybe we'll get a chance to check in with Diana Neros as well. And the Lightning, well, uh, lots... Kucherov played again on Saturday. He came back. Stamkos did not play Saturday night against Anaheim, so uh, they were off on Sunday. We'll know more Monday. But uh, the the Lightning, I didn't think played well Saturday night. The first half of the game. Uh, but mm-hmm. they really turned it on the second half of the game. So um, got a 6-2 victory. Probably a game that Vasilevsky kept him in the first half of the game. And then they right. kind of took over from there. So, uh, But that's uh, what, two games in a row for the Lightning now they've won. So uh, we always talk – we've talked about this on the past with the Lightning. Um, if you can get 96 points by the end of the season, that essentially gets you in the playoffs. So you need to get 12 points for every 10 games. So right. the Lightning have now played 20 games, and they've got 24 points. So they're right on that pace. And it's been a weird 20 games with the amount of travel, the amount of off time. They've played the least mm-hmm. amount of games in the NHL at this point. They've had, yeah. They're not in their routine and their pattern. And so now Saturday started a string of 14 out of 18 at home, and you're basically playing every other day for the next month. That's right. Which is what yeah. hockey players like, that routine of every other day I'm out there skating, I'm on the ice, and we're playing a game. The next day we either practice or an off day, then you know we do that again. And that, hockey players like that routine. So they're going to have a lot of games at home coming up. And, and they're getting into the routine, and they're at that pace of 24 points in 20 games through this weird stretch of Sweden and days off and, and everything that went around it and all these road games. So well, Lightning are right where they need to be. Well, my routine is when I leave the Atlanta uh, game here in Atlanta, when I leave the Mercedes Dome, I get on a plane and actually fly home tonight. Oh, you'll be in your uh, bed. As I, and I'll be in my bed later. So, uh, so from Atlanta where the Bucks. Uh, have gotten uh, their fourth win of the season as they beat the Falcons 35-22. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Burstick. Have a great day. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.